intro no fun fancy music just eric and sheila what more does anybody need though really i don't need any more <laughs> <laughs> that could have gone sideways for me really quickly <laughs> um we are back and we're going to um sort of explain a new format that we're going to go with um we talked a little bit about it way back in november i think it was november 5th that we That's had our... phil nesbitt on and we said we're gonna have more podcasts and then what happened? Um, I don't know. We have babies, and we're working out our schedule and figuring out what works best for us. And um, so we have been kind of playing with some ideas of how to make things work best. And I think we finally settled on a good option that is going to work for us and allow us to be a little bit more consistent. So so we'll, we'll probably make this our last episode of the year because it's already – the 12th which i don't know how that happened and then it's the holidays <laughs> right and you know how much i love the holidays it's his most favorite time of the year it's not but i'm doing great this year he really is he's, <laughs> i decorated he's turned outside. it around yes um so we'll Anyways. make this our last episode of the year most likely when we come back in january what we will do is we'll do two episodes a month instead of doing an episode every week and instead of having a guest on every single time um, we will have one of those episodes will be just me and Sheila kind of spitballing about hot topics in the trail running world. And then on the other episode of the month, we will bring in a guest. So, that's... so if you have ideas or things that you want us to talk about, people that you want us to talk to, feel free to email us um, or send us a message um, just giving us ideas. But we already have a whole lot of ideas yep. and – um, we're excited for the new year. I've got a list of ideas, and I have this really cool website that I look at almost every day called EnduranceSportsWire.com, and it has – it's like a, an aggregate feeder of um, endurance events that are in the news. Um, so any kind of stories that are happening with um, cool athletic events that have gone down, accomplishments – um, the business side of things, the drama side of things, drug testing side of things. There's just a bazillion articles in there. So we're going to pull a bunch of ideas from there. Um, but feel free to check it out. I'll throw it in the show notes. It's a pretty cool website for just sort of staying up to date on what's happening in the endurance world. But today will be our first episode with just the two of us. Well, not our, we've done it before under this format, though. Um, and what we're going to do is um, probably keep it a little brief. We're going to hop into the sauna after this episode. The boys are asleep. Um, but we're going to do a hot takes episode, and that's where the sauna comes from. Uh, get it. <laughs> See what I did there? Wow. So the, the dad jokes. The dad jokes are rolling. Wow. So we have a list of hot takes, um, some of them running related, some of them not, some of them kind of a mix. Um, but as, as you all know, Eric and I, if you know us, have a lot of opinions. Yeah. So. So we'll throw some of these out there. And give our opinions. And you'll have to let us know what you yeah. all think. And maybe we won't agree on all of them. I wrote most of them down. Um, Sheila was busy with um, children's stuff. So I was like, hey, I'm going to write down some, some of these hot takes she might just be seeing for the first time. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so I've got the first one. The other day we went and um, splurged on some fast food. And when we went through the drive through they asked if we would like to donate a dollar. Um, and I don't remember what the cause was for. 
And I was like, no way, man. Screw this place, this billion, million-dollar enterprise at Wendy's that wants me to give them a dollar, and then they will donate my dollar and – and take, tax yeah, and take the tax right <laughs> off. And I was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. And all of the companies do it this time of year, and they quote unquote look good, but they are only doing it to try to get a benefit. And then what I noticed is it crossed over into the running world. I was, I was just going to say. So I have noticed some races that are very for profit races um, all over the country are throwing a donation tab onto their registration link. So you donate ahead of time, and they're going to do the same thing that these big corporations do, and they're going to write off these donations, and that drives me nuts. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is being an informed consumer. So no matter what you're spending your money on, whether it is race entries or fast food or clothing, um, knowing who you're supporting – and where that money is going to and why, and then being okay with it. You know, I mean, if we're being honest, we really probably shouldn't be supporting fast food, big chain fast food companies anyways, both from a health perspective we were hungry. <laughs> and from a financial perspective. Um, so I guess some of that is also just kind of knowing and accepting what you're doing um, and making sure as much as possible that those things align with your values. Yeah. I think we've had some conversations with friends lately around, um, where to spend your money in the endurance world. And, um, although trails rock is a nonprofit where people don't catch any money from, um, and we give away almost all of it. Um, I don't believe that that is the only successful way to put on an event. But I do not like the shenanigans of, hey, donate this money, and then in three months when they donate, make a donation, they'll claim they're doing this great thing, but it really just came from the runners anyway. So And nothing came out of their pocket. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it seems a little shady. I don't know. But I also, we obviously have a lot of bias um, because of Trails Rock. So. Yeah. It's a scam. <laughs> <laughs> and we're really fortunate. I mean, we're really fortunate to be part of an organization that is volunteer run and, um, you know, not everybody has the time to commit to an organization like this. So, again, we're very fortunate and we recognize that that's not the reality for everyone. But, again, just something to think about <laughs> as you're making decisions. Spend about. your money wisely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, all right, what's next? That was like a really serious way to start, something that I thought was going to be really light and funny. No way, that's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> or even like, I don't even know. Anyways. We can level it up here now. I guess we can, yeah. Um, so another thing that we have on our list that Eric created is something that we talk about a lot, um, and it is the issue of whether runners should step up in distance or if they should try to get faster at shorter distances first. Yeah, so I'll go ahead on this. I'm like, so there's there's a high. I love when people finish an ultra and, like, it's their first time doing that distance or, like, you know, the stories of seeing people come across right at the cutoff um, and, and making that accomplishment. Um, those are some of the best stories in ultra running. But my belief personally um, for me – and I wish more runners would do this, is that if you spent some time at the shorter distances, 
which are no less like honorable, right? Like they're just as big accomplishments. But if you spent time there getting a little bit faster, it makes the longer stuff a little bit easier. I think that chasing cutoffs is stressful. I think that it's hard on runners. Um, it puts burden into an event that should be fun. Um, and I wish that people would um, work their way faster before longer. Yeah, it's it's an interesting, I mean, I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, um, just this idea of what is too slow. Is there such a thing as too slow? Um, and it at the end of the day, it's arbitrary, right? Like cutoffs are different for different events. Um, so it's not like every event has the same pace that is the cutoff. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think... and sometimes those cutoffs are put into place by other entities. So, for example, Many Light. Right. Uh, we are not in charge of the cutoffs for that. The New York State Parks Police in the in the park down in Letchworth said, that's a really busy day in the park. You need to be out of this zone by this time. And so the cutoffs were put in place for that purpose. Yeah, I think another thing that from an event management side of things, when we're thinking about cutoff times, is volunteers. So when you need volunteers that are going to work at an aid station and, you know, maybe we would love to have a longer cutoff time, but then you're asking volunteers to be out there for even longer. And in these really long ultra events, that's sometimes you're looking at, I mean, the entire day at an at an aid station with your volunteers. So that's a really big ask and it's just something I guess to think about as you are um again deciding I guess where you're going to spend your Sometimes money and what the, you're going to register for. The truth for. goes for the folks on the front end as well, right? Yes. We have often been like, "Hey, they might get a bare bones aid mm-hmm. station because they are running like a course record pace." Um, chances are they won't be utilizing the aid station as much, but on the two extremes, it can be a little bit harder to manage when you are fully volunteer driven. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, like I said, I think get faster, then go longer. So I'm going to, um, piggyback off of this with my own hot take, which is not on our Uh list of hot takes, but it goes along with this. And that is that I believe that if you are going to race, you should be volunteering also. Um, and I believe really firmly in that. And I get honestly kind of frustrated sometimes when I see people who are always racing and never giving back to the community because the races that you're running are not happening no matter what race it is. It's, I don't care who's putting the race on. It's not happening without volunteer support. So, and I'll, I'll say that volunteering is sometimes significantly more motivating yes. than running. Like and to, way harder. To see, the, um, to see the progression of a race from that perspective mm-hmm. and to be able to cheer and to, to serve other people, right, to fill water bottles, to, to make sure the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are cut off, to, to do it to from the other on, side of the just table. To, to yeah. keep people motivated and moving along. I mean, you're bringing that energy and you're staying, you know, staying with the race and you are not having downtime the whole time in theory, if you're volunteering. So, um, so yeah, that's my hot take is that I think that everyone should volunteer. Um, obviously you can't mandate it because then it's not really volunteering. Um, but I wish more people would volunteer. And also we're really lucky because we really do have a lot of great volunteers. Um, and so please make sure you're thinking volunteers when you're out racing. That's another, I guess, another hot take that's related to this is um, I think you should be really, really thankful to the people who are there helping you to get through because they don't have to be there. And sometimes they're there for hours. One of the things that we do at Many on the Jenny, and it might be, 
it might be the my favorite thing that we do as an organization is um, Chuck Wade uh, in the very first year of many on the Jenny as he went through the aid stations he gave a thank you note and we thought that was so awesome that we turned it into a tradition at the race we call it chucking an aid station and we ask all of our runners to write thank you notes to the aid stations and it has become a tradition where the aid station captain gathers them up as they come in and there might be you know 70 thank you notes which i'd love it to be all yeah. all of our runners. but like having that many and thank you they read them amazing. they take turns like reading them out loud mm -hmm. and it's this super rewarding experience for the aid stations to get that thank you it can be really emotional yeah like uh, there are people that will cry yeah me i'm i'm the people <laughs> like yeah, i'm and, i'm thinking about it and getting choked up right now because so we it's asked really them, cool yeah we asked the eight them to do it for the aid stations and every now and then people will bring some at the finish line yeah uh, probably not knowing you know if there's finish line volunteers or what's going on but we get to read those ones and then sometimes the aid stations bring them back a lot us. of times the aid stations will bring them back but so i guess that's another thing is you know sometimes you don't think that it's making an impact i guess um but it does. It does make an impact. And watching aid stations as they close, sit down together, everybody that was working at an aid station at Many on the Jenny, sitting together and reading those thank you cards together. Um, it's just a really special experience, I guess. It's like a really cool thing to witness. So yeah, say thank you to your volunteers and then return the favor. Volunteer at an, at an event. Even if you can't spend an entire day, even if all you can spend is 30 minutes an hour, you know, I don't think there's any race that's going to turn you down, yeah. even if you only have an hour to give. All right. Well, I'm going to be a little more lighthearted on this one. Okay. Um, I do not believe in New York State, unless you are running at like Whiteface and you're trail racing, that you need trail shoes. Mm. And I'll Hot say take. that by um, Kip, who owns the course record at Zero SPF, mm -hmm. and Phil, who has won every trail race in the region mm -hmm. they run in road shoes all the time in these races yeah and they're the best and they're running in road shoes yeah um do you remember this is um tangentially related i guess but do you remember at zero spf the first year there was a barefoot runner who contacted us yes. and he was like is there any poison ivy on the course because i normally run barefoot it was when barefoot running was like a really big thing, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but so he was like, you know, is there any poison ivy? And we were like, well, yeah, kind of on, um, on power line tail. And he was like, oh, okay. So that morning he went to the Kmart that's like literally at the bottom of power line tail. Not even open anymore. Bought a cheap pair of sneakers, like the cheapest pair he could find, left them at the top of the hill, put them on, ran down, took them off ran the rest of the race until he got back to power lines, put his shoes on, and then carried them to the finish line after he got to the top. And he avoided the poison ivy. Avoided the poison <laughs> ivy. Didn't even need shoes. So hot take. You don't even need yeah. shoes. Yeah, but I, yeah, it's interesting. I love trail shoes. Yeah, um, You love I, shoes. I, you love gear. A little bit of a gearhead. I read all of the reviews. Um, we test gear. We've tested gear for years mm -hmm. for magazines, for companies, for independent contractors. And I just don't think you need them. Yeah. You know, if you if you showed up at the trailhead and you were like, oh, no, I only have my road shoes, mm -hmm. you would be fine. Yeah. I don't know, though. Neither one of us is super committed to any one particular shoe. Um, but there are people that are very like I have to run in blank, whatever that right. is. So I wonder if some of this hot take is also that we are both so 
kind of go with the flow. And I don't know if some of that is from testing gear. Um, and Maybe. For me, it's a belief that the trails here, although there are a few technical ones out there, yeah. there's nothing that's throwing so much at you that you need to have a certain type of rubber on your sole or a certain type of lugs. Every now and then in the spring when you get the muddy season – you might need a little bit more grip, but really the trail, the mud here is so soft that it slides with your shoe anyway. Yeah. And so no matter what shoe you have on, you're really not gripping that much better anyway. So yeah. um, maybe the winter trail shoes are great in the winter because they're <laughs> a little beefier. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But road I shoes, mean, road shoes with, with screws in them are great in the winter. Yeah, that's true. If you uh, have never had the experience of running with screw shoes, it's very much worth it to, Either you can look it up online and you can put the screws in yourself or you can take them to a local store. Like I know Medved does it um, for like a pretty nominal fee, I think, right? Yeah. And then your shoes, like you just take an old pair and they literally put drywall screws, sheet, sheet, sheet metal, metal screws, screws, sheet metal screws in um, and you can't feel them, but they help to grip on the ice. So yeah. it's kind of cool. And if you don't want to buy and or use like the big um what are they called katulas yeah i ran a whole winter with just the sheet metal screws i never used the spikes once and the spikes are tough because i really like spikes if there's actually enough ice to use it but if the ice is not consistently thick enough then i was hiking this weekend with ron on um, sunday morning in the rain at durand Mm -hmm. and there was an older couple and they had katulas on in the mud and I thought, oh, no, they probably think, hey, it's muddy. This is going to help me. But that was just going to ball up. up in the middle of their shoe. It was going to be very uncomfortable. But we didn't say anything. We just kept moving. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so. Anyways. All right. What's next? That's what do you got? Hot take. Um, next. Oh, another gear conversation um, <laughs> about the cost of gear. So we, like we mentioned, have tested gear for different magazines and different companies over the years. So we have tested very expensive gear, um, but when it comes time for us to purchase our own gear, I would say that we are more on the budget side of things. Um, we yeah. really didn't have a choice when we <laughs> first were married. Like we did not have the money to we do were anything. Broke. Yeah, we didn't have the money <laughs> to do anything but budget gear. Um, but we used a lot of budget gear mm-hmm. over the years and both of us, I think, would be in the camp that most of the time budget gear is just as good, if not better, than the stuff that you're going to pay a lot of money for. I did a hot take. Yeah, I did a, <laughs> a post. It was a monthly post that I ran called Frugal Friday, and I would compare the gear that we reviewed that was yeah. top at, top end, finger quotes, to something that I could buy outside of a specialty shop. Maybe it was from Target or Walmart. you know sometimes Walmart gear. Um, or even just something from like a Dick's Sporting Goods, and I would compare them side by side and say, is this product worth it or not? Now, you run into a little bit of ethical issue if you, you know, Patagonia versus Champion, right? right? People will swear up and down about the Patagonia gear, right? and it's great, but like to me, someone that sweats like me, it does not matter. Um, but then I have to look at where do I want my stuff to come from. So that goes back to our first hot, hot, hot right. take, right, is yeah. like – thinking about where you want your money. But if you're literally just looking at, you know, is something going to last and is it going to yeah. perform? I, guess. I had a, a C9, Champion C9 jacket that I wore for years. It outlasted everything else that we tried. And I beat the crap out of it. And it was just great. Um, 
but then I've had some other gear that I've absolutely loved that costs a lot more. So, yeah. But um, I don't think you have to spend a lot. No. Uh, well, that's what I was just going to say is what I really like is that there is there's there are so many options now um more and more all the time i feel like and that's really nice because if you're trying to get into a sport and you don't yeah want to spend there's a lot of money, um, a company called decathlon i was just gonna say we should talk yeah. about decathlon so decathlon is a european sports um com- uh, sportswear company they're massive in europe um they are super popular they have stores all over the place um but they have gear and they do it in they just opened a store two years ago in san francisco i wonder how it's still doing but they it's like a big box store so they're sort of set up like a walmart Mm -hmm. um but they have gear in three different levels so they have your entry level pricing where they're like hey you've never mountain biked before uh here's an affordable entry level aspect to it and then it's like oh you really liked that and you think you might want to get more into it here's your intermediate level pricing for that and then there's like the pro level you fell in love with it. It's your thing you're gonna do. Here's the here's the top end stuff, right? Right. So you can you can shop from any of those three categories, and uh, we both have a bunch of gear from there. Yeah, and I think again, like that, the nice thing about that is if you're looking at a different sport, if you're not, you know, obviously, I think most people that are listening to this are trail runners. Um, but if you're thinking about a different sport that you want to try, but you don't want to spend a lot of money on gear because you don't know if you're gonna like it, that might be a nice option. Um, and again, it's just nice that there's just options got, for we people. We just got you a nice, um, jacket for cross country skiing. Yeah. It was 30 bucks. Yeah. It was super cheap. I mean, yeah. it was on clearance sale, so it was like a closeout yeah. deal. Um, but it's really cute and it's nice. And it nice, looks good on and you. And it's, <laughs> thanks. Um, but it's nice to have that option, I guess. Um, and again, you just have to know where your money is going and, yeah. I'm wondering if this take comes from my note here says the expensive socks are no better than the ASIC socks I got at Target. <laughs> yes. So yes. I will buy a pack of socks like from yeah. Target. Like they, there's ASICs there, but I've gotten champion ones. I've gotten just generic ones. I ran into, I ran a summer in Hanes. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe I don't blister much. I didn't get a single blister training for an ultra in like some yeah. cheap athletic socks from Target. Also, I feel like we need to have a conversation about the fact that socks multiply and like I need new socks and I get new socks, but then somehow like there's still the same amount of socks. I don't know what's happening because I definitely throw socks out, but I have so many socks. It's oh, crazy. Don't look in your stocking for Christmas this year. <laughs> So many socks. So many socks. What do you do with them all? I don't know. You wear them, but... I don't have a lot of socks. I don't have a lot of anything. That's true. You do have a lot of socks. You just have the same socks that you wear over and over and over again. Yes. They're the same color, too, so I don't care how they... You just fold them up, and they go back in the drawer. That's the way to do it. We should have a whole separate conversation about Eric's closet. Yeah. Um, I've got one for us here. Okay. Um, This says... And in college, we would have fought against this so <laughs> hard. And I'm going to put this um, this link, link in the website. Link in the show notes. Could having sex before a race boost performance? And we, uh, on the college track and cross-country teams, we were like, no, you got to hold out because you need that energy. And you can't release it. You can't give it to anyone else. That energy is for racing. And you got to save that for after your race. But this article 
is stating that it could actually boost race performance having sex beforehand. This is interesting, and um, when you <laughs> shared this link, it was to I don't know which like which link you're going to put in the show notes, but the one that is from Endurance. Um, what is it called? Yeah, Endurance it takes you Sports to running. Yeah. Yeah. So before you get there, though, this is the direct quote because right, I was I'm ready. Like, I read it and I was <laughs> like, wait, what? It says, researchers determined that participating in sexual activity anywhere from 30 minutes to 24 hours prior to a physical fitness test had no influence on participant test results. I 30 wanna, minutes? I want to know about the study. So they were like, hey, right. we're about to do a uh, bench press. Yes. Go get one off over there with her. Yeah. And like <laughs> you would have to have the same person, right? I would so, think. So like, you would like one day you would do 30 minutes before. This sounds like an day... interesting study we should replicate. <laughs> We've got questions, so we're going to need to dig a little bit more into this. You've got questions. I've got goals. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes, it says that it's a myth. Pre-sex race may actually boost your performance. Yes. So one of the things that they talked about, if you actually go to the Canadian running um, link, is that um, sex can decrease anxiety. And so runners who experience anxiety pre-race, it might be beneficial for them to have sex because then they're going into the race all chill. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Get laid, relax, run well. Seems so easy. I think that... Why am I training? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not training either, so, you know, there's that. But anyways. That should be our next hot, hot take, speaking of. Um, the internet world and the Instagram world will tell pregnant moms... That they will have their babies and then they will work out and get right back to where they should be immediately. And that is not reality. Well, I think it is reality for some people, for sure. Um, It certainly has not been for me, and I'm not really sure (laughs) how people – like, I'm amazed by some of the women in our community, some of the women professional athletes who have bounced back so quickly. Um, I have had – three different iterations of a training plan now (laughs) that none of them have started um, for one reason or another. Um, So it's just really interesting. But I think, like you said, it might be a topic for for another day because that's – I'm 12 days into mine because I started in December. So I was like, hey, it's time. And I have written down what I want to do on each day on this calendar. And there's a check mark or an X mark, a check if I did it, an X if I didn't. And there's a lot of Xs on there. Yeah. Um, Mine just, would be all X's. Yeah, I have better. different <laughs> things I want to do. So it's like, you know, today was um, a three-mile run and then mobility. And I was like, well, I did not do any of the mobility. Oh, I'm like, my, you did the run, though, But right? I got my run in, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm meeting myself halfway here and getting some of it done. Yeah, I guess something is better than nothing. Yeah. Um, it's something that we – I talked a lot – this is another, like, hot take. I talked a lot before we had kids about what it would be like. And I think 95% of it I've gotten right, um, but I am more tired than I thought it would be. Yeah. But I think that's because there's two of them. I think if we just had yeah. one and we could alternate nights or alternate times. It would be a little bit easier. It would easier. be way easier. That yeah. should be a hot take. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think that's probably a hot take. But we're getting um, into a routine now, finally. Yeah. Just in time for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> to blow it all up. Yep. No, we're going to keep that routine. Um. But yeah, I think, like you said, I think most of what I expected has been true. 
Um, but definitely the, the tiredness is kind of next level and, you know, and then there's always a baby that needs you when there's two babies. There's always a baby that needs something. So like, I you don't know what they're doing right now because usually I'm trying we not have to the have the monitor on. I'm trying not to have anxiety about that actually. But so the I'm monitor so is being used to record I'm, the podcast because so we use the you. iPad for both. So we don't know what they're doing up I'm, there. They're sleeping. I'm, I'm sure they're sleeping. What else cat. could they be doing? Crying? Okay. Crying. They're fine. They're babies. Chewing on each other's hands. You know. They do that. Those all are the time. things they, they don't like have to teeth do. yet. So it's okay. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Their little chompers are strong though. Yeah. But so. no. But I think um, I don't know. We'll see. All I, right. I'm getting really close though to running again because yesterday I actually came home from work, changed with every intention of running. And then both boys woke up and decided to have meltdowns. I had to work late. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not running. Anyways. I ran. (laughs) I'm glad that you're getting in runs. Yeah. Somebody should. So I got one here. Strava. Ooh, a Strava hot take. Which is some people love it, some people hate it. And that's the hot take is that I think Strava for some people is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a nightmare for other people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, competition, right? So, like, some In people... Comparison. Yeah. So, some people are really um, motivated by that in a healthy way, and other people, I think, are not at all. And I think that comes from knowing yourself, you know, how, mm-hmm. how deep can you get into it. It's just like any other social media, I guess, right? Yeah, and they're making it even more social media-y. They have added the ability to do photos and now they've added direct messaging as if I needed oh, really? one more place to check. That tells you how long it's been since I won't I've been on check Strava. Those, most likely. <laughs> like I don't even I'm gonna like, send them to you all the time. Yeah. Um but I think <laughs> um for me I use it as um to look at my running and then I track my mileage for my equipment, my yeah. bikes or my shoes, um and my skis. How many miles do I have on these things? Mm-hmm. Um but that's about all I use it for because I think staring at it and looking what other people are doing is not the best way to use it. It's um, especially coming back from injuries or surgeries. I think people rush back or I think people can get in their heads about, oh, they're a better runner than me and those sort of things when that might not be true. You're just looking at what people are choosing to upload, right? Like you said, like any other social media, yeah, you, cho- you choose what to put on there. If right. I had a, a shitty run, I could just leave it off. Yeah. And nobody would know. Yeah. Or you make your excuses or, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And some people cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, there was a story of people that were using e-bikes to set some of the segments on, like the cycling segments. Can you imagine? I'm a faster runner than I am a cyclist. There was people that were <laughs> using bikes and claiming they were runs yeah. and they would keep it just at that pace right. where if it was a run, they were going to break the segment. And I was like. What's that all about? Crazy. People are... But that's that comparison. Right? I was just going to say, well, and I guess also that's that gets to cheating. And at the end of the day, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Especially on Strava. Like, who cares? Yeah. It's not like you're winning something for breaking a record on Strava. So, We've like, seen to people cheat is really literally right in front of us cheat in a race once. Yeah. Like, we were running a race together. We passed this person. And then all of the sudden, we passed them again. And we were like, how the heck does that happen? And they had cut the course because they were looking to get an age group. And they did get their age group award. That was frustrating. Yeah. We didn't say anything back then. Now I would have been a loud mouth about it. I don't know what you're talking about, but 
Yeah, it was at the stage race. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I should go back and find out who it was. And <laughs> we're not we're not gonna do that. But so, if if it was you, be afraid. Just kidding. All right. What don't else really. you got? Got any hot takes over there? Um, I don't think I have any more hot takes. I have what one are, about. What is your well, hot take? So let's talk about UTMB. Oh yes. Independent events in the World Trail Majors. So UTMB pulled some ish, and they decided <laughs> that in order to run UTMB, you have to run utmb races right and then they pulled some sneaky stuff and essentially forced their way into an event where somebody already has an event and now they fired corinne malcolm because she spoke out against it and she was their um their live feed broadcaster so she got fired now for speaking out and in the wake of all of this a group of races got together and they will be called the world trail majors and they basically claim to be, hey, we're the soul of the sport. We believe in these local driven, not corporate. And then you look at their websites and you look <laughs> at their registrations and it's thousands of runners with corporate sponsors, with expos and all these other things. And all it seemed to me was UTMB, but independent. Hmm. And they said, hey, we're going to take them on. And it's us versus them, right. and they're the same thing. And to me, none of that is the soul of the sport. And I would say the soul of the sport with against these folks is events like what you see here in Rochester. Mm. Not even just the ones that we put on, but all of the events here in Rochester are small. They are locally driven. Even the ones that we think are, are too big or think they're fancier than they are, they're not. They're not this. Yeah, it's not right? this level. Yeah, and I think that the sport is that. So without what happens here locally, or you know what's happening in Ithaca or Syracuse with these, you know, just locally, regionally, none of these big events ever happen because there yeah. would be no one to do them because right. there'd be no community culture and aspect of who wants to do these things and how do you get there. Interesting. So you don't think that anyone would. Like, if there were no such thing as the Rochester trail running community, nobody from Rochester would want to do, like, these larger events. I don't think the larger events would exist. Right. Because I don't think there would be enough people to sustain it. Gotcha. And they they won't do it without the money. So if you look at, you know, I wrote an article a long time ago for Trail Runner magazine um, about the roots of Rochester running. And it was in, it was titled "They Watch the Trees Grow," and it was a bunch of like older guys that that formed the trail community here and how it started. Right. And it was just a bunch of people meeting at a trailhead, running together, and then getting back to the trailhead and hanging out. Right. And that's like the soul of the sport to me, and that's what your local races are. Mm-hmm. Look at many on the Jenny. Start in this field in the dark. Right. You run a loop around Letchworth. You hang out all day long with people at aid stations and on the course. And then you end back in this grassy field with no electricity and food being served, drinks being served. And if you step back and you look at it, you can see how close people are mm-hmm. and how welcoming it is to people from out of this area that come in from Canada or Michigan or Maryland. And they right. just – fit right in they sit down with a group and you hear them rehashing the event mm-hmm. and then i watch utmb and i see you know thousands of runners 
and all they care about in that moment is the finish line. Yeah. And they miss the whole aspect of that. Like you know, you're shuttled parts. through aid stations like cattle. You're in a conga line going up the mountains in the middle of the night. You can't even run because there's so many people. You come down Main Street or whatever it is, you know, in Chamonix to the finish. Right. And there's a ton of people cheering and screaming. And then it, none of those people talk to you after that. Yeah. They look to the next person. Yeah. And there's whoever you went with is who you talk to afterwards. It's much different. Hmm. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, this is why it's a hot take, but I'm sure that there are some people who would prefer that type of event. And Absolutely. That well, it's like your local 5K versus the right. New York Marathon. Right. Exactly. So it's just interesting, like. Again, as we said at the outset of this, that we have some strong opinions about things, but I think both of us would prefer a smaller local. Yeah. For me, I don't know if it's necessarily the preference as much as in this topic, I don't believe those things would exist without it. Mm, Yeah. I really don't. Uh, I don't think this sport could survive without without your small small local races. Yeah. And I have a, a group text that I'm a part of with local race directors kind of from all over the place. Um, not even just in New York and, um, we share stupid things that runners say or do, and we share funny stories. And, um, I think that those events are what's, what makes anything else possible. So even, even looking at how would you even qualify? Right. Without, you know? Right. So that's a hot take that I've got. I like it. Yeah. So, um, do we want to end it on that or do you have any other hot takes? I do not have any other hot takes. I'll throw one out here. People should Google it. I'm not going to talk just, about it. I was just going to say, the best I don't new know races about, yeah, I don't are coming know about from Asia. Asia. Say it again. The best was... new races are coming from Asia in the trail world. Interesting. They have found the trail running, and they have incredible, beautiful locations, and um, they are putting on some really cool events, and uh, people are going to start traveling there instead of just to Europe and experiencing a whole new world of trail running. Hot take. Yeah. So, um, when we are abroad teaching English, we can race in Asia. Perfect. So that's it. That's hot takes. That'll end our season for us, our yes. year. 27 episodes we squeezed in. Wow. Yeah, we did a lot of talking. We had the Spotify wrap. It, it gives us all the information. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of people. There was 144 people that that this is their top five podcast. Wow. I was kind of caught off guard by that number. Aww. So thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, everyone. <laughs> and when we come back next okay, year, y'all are the best. we've got so many uh, ideas lined up already, but uh, we're going to talk about sustainability. We're going to have a panel of non-running spouses. We're going to have local running groups on. Um, we're going to talk to different race companies. We're going to talk to PT and strength folks. Uh, we're going to talk about trail advocacy. We're going to force Ron Perkins to come on and talk about event photography. Can't wait. Um, we're probably going to talk to people from like the Monroe County Parks and the Crescent Trail Association, Rock Orienteering, um, Blue Foundation. We're going to talk to a lot of different people in the in the next year. Yeah. But again, the... if you have someone or if you are someone who wants to come on, yeah. get at us. So that's it. So that's Hot Takes. That's our future. And we'll see you guys in 2024. Thanks for listening. Adios. Bye.